Sim's biceps burned as she cruised through the Mandrin quarter, where white-robed devotees of the goddess Mandra tended to live and congregate, isolating themselves from those who believed in other gods. Sim was stopped at a long red light, leaning forward on her handlebars and gazing at the carriages speeding through the intersection. Even her bike-toned legs were sore from the battlehouse exercises. Just in front of her, a young woman pushed a baby carriage across the street. Three small children followed behind, dressed identically in white saddle shoes and knit sweaters. The mother didn't give Sim a glance. Mondrins hardly ever acknowledged non-believers. The light turned green and Sim stepped up onto her pedal, pumping her legs until she was riding along with traffic, sometimes a little slower, until she reached a broad, empty road that ran along the river. Heavy patches of broken glass forced Sim to ride in an S-curve, leaning to the left and then to the right, shifting her center of gravity. Sim noted that it was strange that there was so much glass around, but didn't really think much of it. An instant later, she slammed on her brakes and swerved sideways. Her left boot slid along the glass-covered pavement, and the edges of her tires skidded until she stopped just before the bridge's stone arch. Sim dropped her bike with a clatter. Her boots crunched as she took two steps toward the bridge and stared at the glistening on-ramp. The sunlight caught on hundreds of sharp points and edges that covered the entire path. Sim put her hands on her hips and waited for her heart to stop skipping. A breeze blew her hair into her face, cooled the heat in her cheeks. Though she wasn't sure exactly why she was doing it, Sim grasped the wind with her mind. She remembered the fierce gusts at the top of a high, treeless hilltop. She remembered the day when she and Jay Lanique had been caught in a thunderstorm while playing in the woods and had to cling to each other as they ran back to the mansion so that the wind wouldn't blow them sideways. Sim poured her heart and mind into the magic until it swirled and grew brighter. She was a tiny sun burning bright at the center of the universe. Raw power coursed through her being. Her clothes flew around her body like a wild pennant and her hair swirled about her head. A shimmery glow bordered the left side of the bridge as the glass flew off the bikeway in a crystalline waterfall. Sim released the wind and faltered from a wash of fatigue. She took a deep breath, and then two more. Her bike had blown two feet away from the force of the gust. The solid sound of boots hitting pavement echoed on the empty street. Prudence emerged from a niche in the bridge's archway and headed towards Sim walking her track bike beside her, an unlit cigarette dangling from her lips. Her hair was even more of a wild mess than usual. She snapped her fingers to conjure a flame, took a drag, and shoved a hand into her pocket. "'You almost blew me into the fucking river,' she said. "'I'm sorry, I—' A smile crossed Prue's face, and Sim knew she was kidding. "'Not a magic weaver, huh?' Prue said. "'I don't know how I did that.' "'But you did it.' "'I—' That thing you do with your fingers to make fire. Cater did it before. Yeah, magic weaving, Prue said with a nod. Some people are better at it than others. Prue swung her leg over her handlebars and slid one of her boots into a toe strap. You coming or what? Who do you think put all that glass there? Sim asked as she pedaled up the steep incline. For a moment, Sim thought she wasn't going to answer, but then Prue said, Maybe the Mondrins, maybe the guard. Probably the Mondrins, though. The Narrows have been off the guards' radar for years. Too much other shit to worry about. But I never thought the Mondrins would go this far. You think the Mondrins did this? They're not really fond of bikers going through their neighborhood. 
Do you think they'll do it again? Who knows? Then they made it to the steepest point of the bridge where Sim fell behind. It was too hard to talk there anyway. They rushed down the other side, past three bikers, and toward a few questers who were waiting beneath the archway on the narrow side. All three of them were wearing questing outfits. Prue would have ridden right past them if they hadn't been blocking the way. What's up? Prue asked, obviously annoyed that they'd made her stop. Did you see that wind? One of them asked. I felt it. Had to be one of you who did that, said a guy who was sitting on the crossbar of his yellow frame. How'd you do it? We didn't, Prue said. Sim, who had been about to explain what had happened, shut her mouth and tried not to look confused. Well, you must have, unless there was someone else over there. The guy took off his goggles and pulled them back over his forehead. We just wanted to thank the person who did it. It's not every day you get to meet. There's no one here to thank. Then who? How the hell should I know? Prudence leaned forward and gripped her handlebars. Look, man, we need to get to work. If you find the guy, thank him for us too, all right? He seemed to buy it or didn't care enough to let the confrontation with Prudence escalate. He nodded and studied Sim suspiciously, as if he were trying to remember her face. Then he apologized and moved out of the way. As they rode off, Sim heard her talking to his friends about the Mondrans and how they'd crossed a line. "'You should keep that trick of yours to yourself,' Prue said when the group was far behind them and they were surrounded by nothing but abandoned factories. "'Don't tell people anything they don't need to know.' "'Okay,' Sim said, "'but why?' "'Can get you into trouble.' Prue answered. Do what you want, but I wouldn't tell anyone. No, I won't. Sim didn't know who she would have told anyway. Work dragged on forever that day. More customers were coming to the shop now that the news of the incubator's opening and Azur's magic dust-free gadgets had spread through the narrows. Questers came looking for utility belts and magical maps. Poets came in to have their typewriters repaired. Others came with broken headphones, cracked goggles, bikes that needed their parts adjusted. Azar did most of the repairs himself, and left his tinkering and inventions for after-closing time. When there were no customers, Sim calibrated fire starters and treasure boxes. The steady flow of work should have kept her happily distracted, but she kept checking the moon-faced grandfather clock and counting the hours until she'd be off and free to go to Stein's. Wood was waiting for her on the stoop of the apartment building next to the shop. A book dangled from her hand, and her tank top was rolled up so that her stomach could get some sun. Square sunglasses shielded her eyes, and her hair was pulled off of her face in a braid that ran from her forehead to her ear. Sim kept her gaze on the street. "'Hey, girl,' Wood said with a smile. "'I would have come in, but I didn't want to get you in trouble for chatting on the clock. Figured I'd just wait for you here.' She sat up, pulled down her shirt, and threw a book into her bag. Feel like hanging on the wall today? I know a great spot, and we can grab a six-pack on the way. Sure, Sim said, stifling a smile of her own. Lead the way. Wood hopped down the steps and grabbed her bike, a red-framed roadster with ten speeds and drop-down handlebars wrapped with gleaming cherry tape. She stepped onto her pedal, and they started toward Christiania. Sim noticed that she tended to stand up on her pedals when she rode, pumping quickly and then coasting along. She glanced over her shoulder at Sim. Anything interesting happened today? Work was kind of boring, but did you hear about the bridge? Of course I did. It's crazy, right? Makes you wonder what the Mondrans might do next. Maybe it was just some kids playing a prank, though. Hopefully nothing else will happen. I don't know. There was a lot of glass. Looked like the whole bridge was covered. 
I don't think kids could have done that. Wood frowned over at her. You saw it? Sim nodded. I was so mad when I stopped at the arch and saw that there was no way over here. I don't know what happened. I sort of just grabbed onto the wind and made it blow all the glass off. It's crazy, right? You did that. Sim could sense that Wood's eyes were wide with surprise behind her dark lenses. Please don't tell anyone, Wood. I promised my roommate I wouldn't talk about it. I'm not even sure why it should be a secret, but I wouldn't tell anyone. I won't tell anyone if you don't want me to, but still, Sim, that's... Controlling the elements is magic weaving in its purest form. She looked over at Sim with a grin. That's kind of awesome. They sat with their backs against a stone ledge, sipping on bongo tree loggers while they watched the bikers strolling past them. Four more beers perspired at Sim's hip, and she wondered nervously if it would be vain to do a cooling spell if they got warm. She didn't want Wood to think she was showing off. They had to sit close so that the beer in both of their bodies could fit in the shade of a tree that reached its branches over the walkway. Their bare shoulders pressed together lightly, their bodies separated by nothing but the thinnest sheen of clammy sweat. Sim tried to ignore the heat that pulsed through her chest at Wood's touch, and to keep her shallow breaths long and even. She imagined that they weren't touching at all, that was the only way she could deal with it. Fuck the battlehouse, Wood said with a flick of her hand and a look of scorn when Sim told her how humiliated she'd been the day before. It felt strange to talk about her feelings so openly. I thought you said you wanted to join one. I want to study questing culture. That's different. You don't have to go to a battlehouse to be a quester. I mean, it's awesome that your roommate got you into one, but if they're going to be such condescending assholes, then maybe you should just quit. Yeah, I guess you're right. You should get out of that place while you still can. Then you can hang out with me more. A group of four friends, still in the middle of their conversation, looked down at Sim and Wood as they passed. Judgmental row, Wood said under her breath, with a raise of her eyebrows. But I guess that's what people come up here for, to see and be seen. Sim wasn't so bothered by it. The thought of people looking down on her clothes and deciding whether they liked her look or not was so absurd to her that it put her outside of the situation. Sim was somewhere between being comfortable in her own skin and not caring at all about what random strangers thought. Or that's what she told herself anyway, regularly. The stone walkway was hard and uncomfortable. Sim put a hand on either side of her hips and lifted herself up to move into a different position. Her arm grazed across woods, pulled away, and met it again when she settled back onto the path. Sim glanced up to find Wood gritting at a guy who was walking past them. He slowed his pace and turned up the sides of his scruffy beard into a matching smirk. He held Wood's gaze for a long moment and then looked away. "'Who is that?' Sim asked, frowning after him. "'Adrian. He works at a bar down the street from Stein's. We hook up sometimes.' Sim didn't know what to say, so she stared straight ahead at the two girls walking past them. Her heart knotted up like a sore muscle, just for a beat, but Sim ignored it. He's kind of a tool, Wood added. She dismissed the thought of him with a shrug and took another sip of her beer. Sim wanted to ask her why she hooked up with him, if she didn't really like him, but decided it was none of her business. Wood reached across Sim to grab another two beers. She pried off the tops with her keychain and handed one to Sim. Anyway, there's this guy at the bookshop who I'm way more into. It's probably not a good idea to get with co-workers, though. 
No, probably not, Sim said with a shrug. But whatever. Yeah, we should just do what we want, right? Live out our desires. That's what this place is all about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are always other guys. What about you? Any men in your life? Sim frowned, fighting a blush but not knowing why. Nope, she forced a smile. Not right now, anyway. There had been boys back at the Nagron mansion. Nasty peasant boys who would throw rocks at birds and always get into fights with one another. Some of the scrawnier ones had tried to get Sim to go back into the woods with them, back where no one would see and they could do whatever they wanted. But she always said no. She always had an excuse not to. She eventually kissed one of them behind the dragon stables. At the time, Sim had been glad to get it over with, to have finally been kissed. After a while, they left her alone, realizing that she was never going to go any further and not caring enough to try and convince her. It became easier to just avoid the boys, instead of thinking about what she was so afraid of. Well, I don't see why, Wood said. You're really pretty. But you're smarter than I am. Guys suck. Sometimes I wonder why I bother. Then why do you? Wood laughed and gave Sim a look. Oh, Sim forced a grin. Right. They watched the people go by, talking occasionally, until their beers were gone and the sky was getting dark. For the summer, Wood was working at a bookshop on Christiania that Sim had passed a hundred times but had never gone into. Since they got off at the same time, they made plans to meet each other at Stein's again the next day. Cracked steps wound down a tower notched into a bend in the wall. You should come by and say hi before work tomorrow, too, Wood said as they crept down them. Rusty torch holders lined the staircase between long, narrow windows that let in just enough light to see where the next few steps were. I have a book you should read. She pressed her hand up against the inner wall to keep her balance. At the bottom of the steps, a mess of empty beer bottles spilled out from a deep niche that probably once held a store of shields and arrows. Other brewers would come and get the bottles when they needed them, knowing right where to look and relying on the consistent thirst of the Narrows bikers for their supply. Sim and Wood were walking next to each other now, through the damp tunnel that led to the street. Their voices echoed off the walls, merging with chatter from other groups. In the darkness, they were nothing but silhouettes, occasionally illuminated by the sunlight that streamed in through cracks in the stones. I think I'm going to head to the bookshop and help close, Wood said when they got out of the tunnel. See you tomorrow. Yep, Sim said, her heart sinking a little. The bike light strapped to Sim's handlebars skipped a creamy circle of brightness over the dark street. There were no streetlights off of Christiania, where worn statues of muses cradled oil globes that burned bright in the narrow's night, dancing in the spaces between the trees that clawed at the road with their roots. She decided to take a new way home, closer to where she'd met that strange girl who had told her to stay away from the factories west of the Narrows, but not so far that she would get lost in the vortex of the factory maze. An orange glow lit the end of the block just ahead of her, where three cages holding burning fireballs levitated at the edge of the sidewalk and shone flickering light onto a group of chatting girls. One girl stood on her tiptoes and grabbed a ring on the bottom of the cage, pulling it down closer to her as if it were hanging from an invisible elastic cord. With her rouged lips wrapped around the filter, she stuck a cigarette between the grates and inhaled. A puff of smoke escaped from the sides of her mouth. She examined the ember and turned away, letting the cage float back up into place as she rejoined her friends. 
They stood before a large front window, charmed dark navy so that passerby couldn't see into the bar. Sim pulled on her brakes to slow her bike. One of the girls was wearing a bronze-buttoned military jacket like the one Prudence had. The girl's long, dark bangs hung in her eyes. Her hands were shoved in her pockets and a cigarette hung from her lips. Sim rolled closer. It was definitely Prudence. She was facing the bar's tall wooden doors. The jacket, the leather boots, the thin, slouching figure were sure signs that this was her roommate. Sim stopped just behind where Prudence was standing and opened her mouth to get her attention, but then hesitated. A girl with shoulder-length blonde hair stepped outside, spilling dance music into the quieter night air. A surprised smile sparkled on her face. She raised her hand in a wave and stepped over to Prue. "'Can I have a cigarette?' the girl asked. Prudence slid her pack out of a pocket and flicked open the top. The scanty rows of white cylinders fell together as she tilted them toward the blonde, who drew one out and leaned forward to light it off Prue's. Prue jerked her head back. She lifted her hand to the unlit cigarette and snapped her fingers together so that a flame sparked to life and hovered above her thumb. The blonde smiled. I'm impressed, she said, and lit up with Prue's fire. Prudence didn't respond. We were having a heart-to-heart the last time I saw you, the girl said, taking a step closer to Prue so that there was only an inch between them. I'm sure we were. Prue stood up straight and turned away. The girl's cheeks reddened as she started to ramble about Prudence's jacket, saying how she liked it. What was the story behind it again? She asked, her lips curled into a fake smile. Someone gave it to you, right? Prudence pulled her cigarette out of her mouth, ashed it, and looked around. Her eyes found Sim. A cloud of smoke billowed from her mouth as she held Sim's gaze with her own. Excuse me, Prudence said, while the blonde was still in mid-sentence. There's someone I need to talk to, sorry. With two quick steps, Prue flicked her butt into the street and was standing in front of Sim, staring at her with grateful eyes that questioned why Sim was there. You coming inside? Her voice was slightly lower than usual and her brow furrowed, though not quite angry. What is it? Sim asked. A bar. Sim's throat seized and kept her from answering. She felt like she was standing outside of a gateway to another world, one in which she knew none of the language or customs, one in which she would surely make a fool of herself. She'd heard people talking about this bar before. The Geraldine. She knew what type of bar it was. Come on, Prue said under her breath. I'll buy you a beer. Sim nodded. She brought her bike up onto the sidewalk and leaned it against the building, trying not to look nervous. You don't want to get stranded in the narrows at night, Sim, Prue snapped, grabbing the handlebars away from her. Be careful with your shit, all right? Wheeling the bike with her left hand, Prue glanced around and then slipped into the darkness between the Geraldine and the purple stone next to it. Sim followed, stepping into the alley air that smelled of rotting garbage and puke. Broken glass crunched under Sim's boots. She only went a few steps in. A pile of garbage bags rotted in a heap at the middle of the alley. Prue lifted one of them, felt its weight, and then placed it carefully on top of the bike. She grabbed two more bags to cover the front wheel and the frame, then squatted next to the bike with her hands hovering over the garbage. When she was finished, the bike was impossible to spot. "'Can you teach me that?' Sim asked. She took a step farther in. With a short sigh, Prudence stood, straightened her jacket, and brushed her hands on her jeans. Once she'd fixed her hair, she gave Sim an annoyed look and slid past her, out of the shadows and back into the firelight where the blonde was still working on her cigarette. 
She took it out of her mouth and studied it as they approached the building, then glanced up at them as Prudence pulled open the door and led Sim inside. The music was good, an upbeat rock that was just loud enough so that it would be hard to listen in on conversations. Sim was reminded of her brief visit to the Dragon Spine, but this bar was nothing like the Lower Terracinian Club. Girls of every shape, size, and color were packed around the bar. There were a few guys here and there, most of them dancing wildly with two or three girls, the rest hiding their faces in their beers and looking slightly lost and uncomfortable. The space was a lot smaller than Sim had imagined it would be from the outside. It was just the bar, a few tables at the front, and a few more at the back. The soft skin of strangers rubbed against Sim's bare arms as Prudence led her through the crowd. Some of the girls looked at Sim with an open, grinning, look-you-up-and-down interest that caught her off guard. Others ignored her entirely. It seemed like all of them had their eyes on Prue, though, at least for a moment. Unsure of herself, Sim tried to keep her eyes there, too. Or on the walls. They were covered with Art Nouveau posters, flyers from local bands, and sprawling graffiti. A spray-painted stencil of a naked woman riding a bike commanded the wall next to one of the bathrooms. Her hair flowed long swirls behind her and onto the door, stopping at a sideways W or M, turned as if the letters were a joke and they were all just E's. Let's stand here, Prudence said, and moved to an open space toward the end of the bar. Sim slid behind three girls with brown beer bottles, each of them uniformed in white tank tops and loose-fitting jeans. Between guitar riffs, Sim caught a slice of their conversation. They were complaining about girls who brought guys to the bar with them. One girl leaned back so that her shoulder pressed into Sim's. Sim pretended not to notice. The bartender had her hands full with all the girls waiting for drinks, but she came over to Prue almost as soon as she reached the bar. Hey, Prue, she said with a grin. She glanced at Sim and then looked back to Prudence. Going for a newbie tonight. She's just a friend, Prudence said. And she's straight. Sim, this is Candace. Sim smiled at her and raised a hand, not even ten minutes in this place and she was already labeled as an outsider. But at least now she knew Prue didn't have any wrong ideas about her. It's my pleasure, Sim. Candace smiled and then looked at Prue with open disbelief. Prudence ignored it. We'll each have a bongo tree, she said. Chuckling, Candace nodded and turned away from them. Behind the bar, there were twenty or so beer bottles lined up, each of them with a bright, well-designed label except for the one on the end, which was all white. They have kyanide, Sim said. I didn't know Cater distributed them here. He doesn't, Prue said quickly. But Candace, returning with their bongo trees, had already heard her. You know about kyanide, she asked. She put the two bottles onto the bar and snapped off the caps. The beer fizzed as the metal lids clanked onto the counter. The conversation behind Sim continued, but she was already bored with it and tried to tune it out. I brew it, Sim said. Candace's eyebrows shot up. She looked to Prudence. Well, this one's a keeper, Prue. Beautiful, talented, and dangerous. She winked at Sim and went to the other end of the bar to serve a girl with a jet black mohawk and mirrored aviators. Prudence glowered. Sim wondered why she was in such a horrible mood, even worse than usual. You shouldn't go around telling people your business. That's what I was trying to tell you about this morning, Prue said. Keep it to yourself. Prue didn't seem terribly worried, but her tone was serious. She was starting to sound like Kai, with the way she was telling Sim what to do all the time. She seemed nice, Sim shrugged. Candace can be trusted, Prue said with a nod, but you never know who else is listening. 
Anyone looking for an extra soul will sell you out to the guard in an instant. The less people who know, the better. Most people aren't nice. Sim pressed her lips together and then took a long swig of her bongo tree. Prue really was starting to sound like Kai. Look, I don't mean to boss you around. Prue took a drink. But this city can be brutal. You have to watch your back or bad shit will happen to you. It's just better not to find out the hard way. Yeah, I guess you're right, Sim said. A peal of laughter erupted from the front corner of the bar. Sim followed Prue's annoyed glare to a group of girls with long, shiny hair, fancy tops, and lime green mixed drinks. They were stroking one another's arms, leaning in together, now dancing. Prudence was right. It was better to be safe. Sim wanted to change the subject. So who is that girl outside? Prudence frowned deeper, and Sim wished she thought of something else to ask. She's just some clingy... She's no one. Prudence shook her head. She studied the label of her bongo tree, spinning the bottle slowly, trailing one edge of it along the top of the bar. Sim looked around again, careful not to set her eyes on the girl behind her. Another girl with a black unicorn tattoo wrapped around her bicep pushed her hand into the wall against the front spokes of the bike's stencil. She balanced herself as she leaned forward to kiss a girl with long blonde hair and big, thick-framed glasses. The girl with the tattoo took her free hand and slid it under the other's shirt, wrapped her fingers around her waist, returned her embrace. They were caught in a dizzy balancing act between what was appropriate for a public space and what their mutual desire ached to express. But only some seemed to notice. Most people were happily drunk by then. A shot for each of you, Candace said, grabbing Sim's attention. She slapped two small glasses onto the bar and streamed a glowing purple liquid into them. Prudence grinned. My favorite, she said. And there's more where that came from. You know I like to see that smile. Candace laughed and cocked her head toward Sim. And this one needs to loosen up. Prue's grin deepened and Sim noticed for the first time that she had dimples. More might be in order, she said, raising an eyebrow. It's this one's first time here. Really? Candace slapped another shot glass onto the bar. Well, in that case, I'll be having one, too. Before Sim had time to be embarrassed, Prudence had raised her shot in a toast. Welcome to the Geraldine, honey, Candace said. They clinked their glasses together and threw their heads back. The toxic-looking purple liquid chilled the back of Sim's mouth. She stifled a cough and grabbed her throat when it turned burning hot. She looked up at Prudence, who was laughing at her. What was that? Sim coughed. Knew you'd like it, Candace said, and then she was off to serve the other girls. Ice fairy nectar, Prudence explained. It's from where I grew up. You can only find it in the north. The fairies spell it to ice your throat. Sim swayed a little in her seat. And burn your stomach, Prue added with a grin. You're from Sikor? Yeah, I used to be. For the first time since they had come into the Geraldine, Sim caught Prudence subtly glancing around the bar taking everything in, examining everyone who was there. Occasionally, her eyes would linger, but never long enough for Sim to figure out who it was she'd been looking at. They went outside again, and Prue talked to one of the girls while Sim sat on a wooden planter near the door. Sim stared off, pretending not to care that she was just awkwardly sitting there and waiting for Prudence to acknowledge her again while the other girls kept giving her curious glances. "'You're good to get home, right?' Prue said, turning to her suddenly." Sim frowned and then realized that Prue wanted her to leave, now that she'd fended off the blonde girl. Yeah, of course, Sim said, standing. 
She hesitated for a moment and then rushed toward the alley without looking back. Prue's cloaking spell kept making Sim's eyes turn away from her bike until her hands finally found the grips and pulled it upright. I see you haven't taken my advice. Sim nearly jumped out of her skin. A silhouette leaned against a dark doorway she'd passed on her way into the alley. She caught her breath when she realized it was the same girl she'd seen in the factory almost a week ago. What the hell? Didn't mean to scare you, the girl said, without a trace of an apology in her tone. Okay, Sim started to push her bike toward the street, but the girl stepped in front of her, into the dim firelight at the mouth of the alley. I need to talk to you, she said. Who are you? My name is Lilith. I'm a Strix. She looked like she'd just admitted to being something vile. Her face was guarded, as if she'd expected Sim to hate her for it. Sim shook her head. What's a Strix? Lilith sighed and rolled her eyes. You're a magic weaver. I'd assumed you must be a quester. The questers know. I'm not either of those things. You can calibrate a magic weaver's compass, but you're not a magic weaver. Right. I'm not an idiot. What exactly do you want from me? Sim asked, getting slightly defensive at the girl's tone. Nothing, forget it. Without saying anything more, Lilith shoved past her and disappeared into the shadow of a dark alley. Hey, wait! Sim called after her, but she was gone. Again. Sim had a bad feeling for the entire ride home, like she was being watched. It was just paranoia and embarrassment at being so awkward at the Geraldine. But she never had to go back to the bar again if she didn't want to. The happy drunkenness numbing her temples made it easy for the awkward feeling to dissipate. Sim enjoyed the bike ride in the dark, aware that biking drunk was dangerous, but not really caring. She was only a little tipsy. She'd be fine. Lilith. The girl's name was Lilith. Sim was sure she could find that factory again if she tried. Even if she didn't remember exactly where it was, she did remember exactly what it looked like, and she was sure that Azur wouldn't mind at all if she borrowed that compass. Something about the girl piqued Sim's interest. She had an inexplicable sense that Lilith could tell her something that she needed to know. The next morning, Sim sat on the couch in the living room, losing herself in Saffron and Polkrina's fateful thrust into forbidden romance in an effort to forget about her own empty love life. Heavy boots stomped up the front steps and across the porch. The door snapped open and Prue stepped in, stumbling as if her legs didn't quite work right. A black hood was drawn up over her head, hiding everything but the profile of her nose and a mess of dark bangs. She yanked off her aviators and threw them onto a table near the door. Oh, she said, pausing when she realized that there was someone in the living room. Tiny pink veins colored the whites of her eyes, and her face was paler than usual. Hey. Hey. Prue sank into the couch beside Sim. The smell of alcohol and cigarettes clung to her short, messy hair. A moment of silence tensed up Sim's back. She wondered if she should ask Prue what happened or if she'd be crossing a line. Prue pulled the paper off a bagel she'd gotten from the corner deli and bit into the toasted whole wheat bread with cream cheese and tomato sandwiched between it. She kept her gaze set on the floor, and Sim pretended to go back to reading her book. Good night? Sim asked a minute later. She couldn't help it. Prudence snorted a laugh. Yeah, I guess, she said between mouthfuls. There was an air of mischief or promiscuousness that hovered around Prue. The way she leaned her upper back against the lower part of the couch and put one foot up on the coffee table, 
the way her lips hardly moved when she chewed. Sim hid behind her book and decided not to ask any more questions. Ugh, why does my coffee taste like cigarettes? Prudence said. She slapped the cup onto the table and buried her head in her palms. Her hood fell down onto her back and her hair stuck out between her fingers. She rested her elbows on top of her legs and stared down at the ground between her knees. I need to stop doing this, she mumbled. I should have just come back with you. Sim lowered her book. At first she thought Prue was talking to herself since she was still gazing down at her boots. Stop doing what? Prue shot her a frown. What do you think? She blinked and shook her head, and Sim knew that she hadn't meant to snap at her. I don't know why I do it. Prue's raspy cigarette voice made it sound like she was about to cry. It's like I'm searching for something, but I don't know what it is. I see a girl I'm attracted to, and the next thing I know we're making out, and then we're going to her apartment or wherever. There's never any real sort of connection. It's always physical, and in the end, it's always the same. I just... I wake up and I run. Sorry, Prue said with a slight look of embarrassment. I don't mean to put this on you. It's not your problem. It's okay, Sim said. I don't mind. What do you think it is you're searching for? I don't know. Prue stared at her coffee as if it would give her the answers. Something real, she said, finally. What do you mean? A connection. I want a real connection with someone. You're searching for love, Sim said, and earned a dark glare from Prue. The glare softened again when she realized that Sim was being serious. I don't know, maybe. Prue picked up the coffee and took another sip, swallowing it with an expression that was worthy of a tequila shot. I doubt it. Maybe it takes time to have a connection with someone. You could try letting something develop. Prudence stared blankly ahead, her mouth opened ever so slightly. A look of vulnerable confusion softened her features. What is it that you're so afraid of? Sim asked without even thinking. I don't know, Prue whispered. This was her, the real her, with the mask of toughness and cold ambivalence pushed aside just for a moment. Sim realized with a shock that Prue was just as confused as she was. They were stuck through no choice of their own, and would remain stuck until fate came along to shove them into a violent shock of change so that they could be wounded and heal and become people who were totally new and yet totally the same, like phoenixes, born out of fire. Drangs pranced into the living room and jumped onto the table. Kai's recent attempts at training him to stay off the furniture were failing horribly. He looked at Prue with wide eyes and little cooing mews. She flattened down his hair and held the bagel out to his mouth. He started to lick the cream cheese off it. The moment had passed and Sim was glad. She wasn't sure how much more of Prudence's self-loathing she could handle. I need to get some sleep, Prue said, pushing herself to her feet. She grabbed her coffee cup. Thanks, Sim, she mumbled without looking at her, then added, Night. Wait, Prue? Sim hesitated. Prue looked back at her, eyebrows raised. Do you know what a Strix is? Prue's eyes darkened. Why would you ask me that? I... Sim stumbled, confused by Prue's strange, almost angry expression. There's this girl who came up to me in the Narrows. She said she was a Strix and seemed to expect me to know what she meant. She said that a quester would know. You're sure she said Strix? What else did she say? That was it, 
She left when I told her I didn't know what she was talking about. The first time I saw her was when I was in the West testing out this gadget for Azer. She told me to stop going to the Narrows. So you saw her twice. Prudence frowned deeply at Sim's nod and scratched the side of her head, and she didn't try anything. What do you mean? She didn't attack you? No, I wasn't worried about that at all. She didn't touch me. No. She can't be a Strix, Prue said, though her gaze remained troubled. That's impossible. Maybe she was just messing with you. But what's a Strix? Prue shifted her eyes to the wall, frowning. Can we talk about it later? Yeah, sure. Of course. Cool. Prue went to the steps. A minute later, Sim heard the shower turn on in the bathroom. She closed her book and wondered if Prue would ever actually explain anything to her.